it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the all-world receiver T. Higgins, man. And only the real ones know the pie father is the best in the game. Who they? This is the decision point with Anand Nanduri. And Anand, we have a lot to talk about. It's been weeks since we were in Vegas. Incredible time. And a lot's happened. There's been a lot of transactions that we need to break down. The decision point has a lot of catching up to do. We'll start with James Bradbury, the most recent transaction that just came across the wire. James Bradbury signed by the Philadelphia Eagles. This is cool. This is good. This is good. We wanted James Bradbury to go to the Buccaneers. They would have had to trade for him because they didn't have the requisite salary cap space. Once you allocate funds to your rookies, they didn't have even $10 million to spend. They're just under $10 million in effective cap space. Meanwhile, the Eagles were sitting on $15 million plus and were ready to swoop in and get a bargain in a, you know, a top 20 corner. You know, given his age, he's in his late 20s, he was a top 10 corner. For a couple of years during his prime, probably a top 20 corner now. And that really puts the the final finishing touches on what is going to be uh, a an impact defense. One of the better defenses in the league, especially given the way that they play. Right. Like Jalen Hurts limitations as a passer to this point. Right. Have caused the Eagles to be more of a ball control team. You know, they run at a higher rate than just about anybody in the league. And one of the things that's going to do to people is if you're if they start running the ball and wearing your defense out and their defense is fresh, look out. Like that, that I think they win that division. Whoa, whoa, really? Yeah, I think they win that division. I think they both finish ten and seven, them and Dallas. But I think Philly's the better team right now. Dallas has more what you would consider star impact players, but Philly's a better roster construction as a whole right now. Don't forget, Philly also drafted Jordan Davis. If Jordan Davis can show up to camp in shape, right? I mean, Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox, Godspeed. Good luck running the ball. Good luck. Right? I mean, that's the big unknown is what's going to happen with Jordan Davis and his strength and conditioning. Yeah. I mean, look. So if he's on point with his strength and conditioning, oh, baby. I mean, who better to learn from than Fletcher Cox, right? <laughs> if he could stay around 350. Yeah. It's going to be an absolute monster. He is going to be so disruptive in the interior. And with Fletcher Cox... On the edge, oh man! And then the the yeah, they also have Darius Slay already. So it's Slay and Bradbury. And don't forget, they drafted Nicobe Dean. We talked about Nicobe Dean multiple times on this show from Georgia. So you had Nicobe Dean to the linebacking core. You had James Bradbury, and then you have potentially Jordan Davis, one of the most disruptive interior defensive linemen in the NFL on day one. It, all he has to do is just be in shape. Yeah, and look, like, there is a formula 
for how to win long-term in the league. And we know that offense is more stable year-to-year than defense is in terms of how we project last year to this year. But great point. in this case, it matters a lot because of how Philly wants to play offense, right? So you go, you, you talk about the draft picks that they made and then acquiring Bradbury. A part of this, too, is they wanted to get more physical, even than they already were. And so they go get maybe one of the most physical receivers we have in the league in A.J. Brown, right? And trade for him, too. It's they're, they're, Nobody's going to be shocked about what Philly's identity is, right? Dallas is trying to figure out, we have all these star players on offense. Our line is getting older. We want to add linebackers on defense while Trayvon Diggs gets a lot of interceptions and gives up a million yards. Like There is some kind of chaos about what Dallas wants to be. Nobody has any questions about what Philly wants to be. They're going to punch you in the mouth for 12 rounds, and they're going to just straight up run over really good teams. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. And and I pulled up the Caesars Sportsbook app, because you're going to get the Caesars Sportsbook app. Get it on your phone. You have it on your phone, right? I have a bunch of them on my phone. Shop the lines, kids. <laughs> Always shop around for lines, but try yeah. Caesars first, because Caesars supports this show. Caesars makes all this possible. Promo code PodfatherCZR, and they have the best promotion where you get $1,100 of first bet insurance. So make that first bet a big one because it's insured. So on the Caesars Sportsbook app, I'm looking at odds to win the NFC East and what the payouts are. The Eagles are plus 250. Which makes no sense to me. And you just said that it's a toss-up who's going to win this division, Eagles or Cowboys, and I agree with you. One of the big reasons I also agree with you, not only has there been this incredible influx of talent, and you have a quarterback that's it's going into his third year, where, remember, Josh Allen, after his first two years, he oh, struggled God. with accuracy, <laughs> right? And then in his third year, well, the third year is the most common ascension year for quarterbacks. Not just Josh Allen, not just chasing outliers like Josh Allen. Generally speaking, across the board, it is the ascension year for quarterbacks. So for a lot of reasons... I love the Eagles this year. I love them to win the division plus 250. I also love the season win total over under on Caesar Sportsbook. It's just nine wins. So you push if they get nine. I mean, there's a little bit of a premium. It's minus 120. But that is one of the smash overs on the board. And I'm also taking the under on the Cowboys. So I think the, the arbitrage play in the NFC East is to go over on the Eagles and then under on Dallas. Dallas is plus 10.5. You, you also have to <laughs> eat a little bit of additional VIG. It's minus 120, unfortunately, to take the Dallas under, but these sports books track the sharpest betters. And if the sharpest betters are taking the under, which is the case with the Cowboys, then they're going to wind down the payout as they're doing, taking it down to minus 120 from minus 110. And the most obvious reason why the Sharps are fading Dallas at 10.5 wins is that they were number one in turnover ratio, and that is the least sticky year-to-year statistic you could find. Yes, offense endures more than defense year-to-year. No question. Right, It's easier to project offensive efficiency and production than it is defense. I agree with you. The most difficult thing to project are turnovers. 
So and, and one of one of the easiest bets every year is to just take the team that was number one in turnover margin the previous year and go under on the total wins on Caesar Sportsbook code PodfatherCZR to get that eleven hundred dollars eleven hundred dollars of first bet insurance. And then you look at the schedule, and the Eagles open at Detroit, then Minnesota, then Washington, then Jacksonville, then a diminished Arizona team, and then they play Dallas at home. So they're going to be favored in that game. They're going to start the year at 3-2 and two at the worst, 5-0 and oh at best. They'll be favored at home against Dallas. Then they have their bye week. Then it's Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington. That takes you through the first 10 weeks of the season. The Eagles may be favored in each of those games. Yeah. There's there's a there's a very conceivable path that through that those the first ten weeks of the season, they're six and three, seven and two, somewhere in there. Right. And they, they don't face the division winners from the previous year. That's who Dallas is facing because Dallas won the division last year. They have to play the Buccaneers. Eagles don't, right? The Cowboys have to go play the Rams. Eagles don't. It's a good deal. And the Bucks, yeah, yeah, and the Bucks and the Packers. Yikes! Like that's a, and and that's the that's the tough part about playing a first place schedule in a year like this. Can we talk about the the last five teams? Right. So the Eagles close it out with New York, Chicago at Dallas. Okay, that's a loss. New Orleans and New York at home. Conceivable they go three and two over that stretch too. Think about it. The Cowboys are facing the Buccaneers. Eagles get to face the Saints. The Cowboys have to go face the Rams. The Eagles get the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, it, what a windfall. Yeah. We're just finishing second instead of first. What a great advantage. Because, look, like we've talked ad nauseum about how much better in depth-wise the AFC is than the NFC, right? Like The unfortunate part for Dallas is they just have to play every good team in the NFC, and Philly's going to get by beating the hell out of bad teams like they're gonna Dallas is gonna be so beat up by the time they get to that week 15 week 16 from playing the Rams the Packers the Bucks on top of their own division on top of everybody else that they've got to play right well look who else they're playing though this is why I think the Eagles over nine wins is one of the best bet on the board perhaps even better than winning the division because they cross against the AFC South as well. That's yeah. why when I'm listing teams, you're hearing Jacksonville. You're hearing Houston. Indianapolis. Yeah. Tennessee is diminished this year as well. Yeah. It's, it's the most perfect schedule you could even imagine. I'm looking the, at there's a difficult game against Green Bay and then two against Dallas. That's the list. That, those are the tough games. <laughs> what? They're going to beat some teams pretty badly just because they're not your usual team. And you see this happen. It's it's a lot. It's very Tennessee-ish, right, from the, yes. from the past couple of years. Yes. What was Tennessee's record last year? They were, oh, the number one seed. Right. It, it's just, it's one of those things where you're just, they're just such a departure from what you see most NFL teams trying to do that it's impossible. Like, you don't have a quarterback on your roster that can play Jalen Hurts for the scout team long enough to actually deal with what that speed is like in real life, right? Like, 
it, it te- there are three teams I think that are that are clearly different than the others, and I think the Ravens, the Titans, and the Eagles are the three teams that's run games cause so many problems for people. You can add San Francisco to that mix too. Like they're just different. You can't. It's not something that you see every day. It's not something that you're always prepared for. It's not a like you know spread it out and throw the ball fifty times offense. And when you look at what Washington has, what the Giants have, what Dallas has, they're not built to go twelve rounds with the Eagles. They just can't hold up physically. No, this is also a team that can grind people into dust. Yeah, yeah. Right? That that's that's what's amazing and. You need to go and get Miles Sanders in fantasy football for this reason because if he shows up and and the gods are not against him and his ankle, like hitting that ankle with a lightning bolt like Achilles every time, right? Oh, you have one weakness, and there was an arrow that hit you in the one place you can't get hit. And if, if we could just protect that ankle from getting hit by helmets and getting torqued on every, almost every outside run— Miles Sanders is going to go bananas this year. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about catching a lot of passes. He's not going to catch a lot of passes because uh, Jalen Hurts is a rushing quarterback. He's not a check down quarterback. He's going to run that ball instead of check it down. And what we were hoping from Miles Sanders never materialized, unfortunately, in the passing game the last couple of years. So I'm no longer of the delusion that Miles Sanders is going to be like a top five running back and he's going to go out and... C- command 75-plus targets, and be this all-purpose stud, I think that he's going to be an explosive between-the-tackles runner. Like I think he's going to be like best-case scenario what all the Kenneth Walker fanatics were hoping he would be in the NFL. Best-case scenario Kenneth Walker is explosive runs, both inside and outside, and scoring 10-plus touchdowns. See, that is very much in Miles Sanders' range of outcomes. And if he does that... It doesn't matter how many passes he catches. He's going to be a value in fantasy football. When you go to Underdog Fantasy, you look up the ADP on Underdog Fantasy. We have all the ADPs up for Underdog, and we have their recent change in the last couple weeks. Miles Sanders is up 16 slots. So he was going around pick 97. He's now going at pick 81. So the fantasy public is now wise to Miles Sanders, but he's still going way too late. I mean, this is it. If you're just going to draft one running back, hero RB, when you want to swoop in and get an upside RB2 after you have all your wide receivers you could ever want, yeah, Miles Sanders is that guy. And at the end of rookie drafts, in the fifth round or in free agency after your rookie draft is over, maybe end of the fourth round in dynasty rookie drafts, I'm drafting Kennedy Brooks. Because yep. Miles Sanders' ankle has been jinxed, and Kennedy Brooks was a quality running back and was commanding volume touches while competing with Ramondre Stevenson. He's looked good at the NFL. He's been a quality NFL running back in his first year. Trey Sermon was a third-round pick. Yeah. And Kennedy Brooks was commanding touches over and above those players at Oklahoma I know he went undrafted, but he was a priority ad by the Eagles in free agency. And you want the between-the-tackles grinder on a team that is going to be enjoying copious positive game scripts yeah, and scoring a bunch of touchdowns. 
And it's a bonus if the Russian quarterback freezes linebackers and gives you a little more room to run in those running lanes. So it's setting up perfectly for the Miles Sanders, Kennedy Brooks duo. I think Kennedy Brooks will start to be a late round dart. You'll start to see him get drafted a lot more in these underdog best ball drafts on best ball mania promo code underworld on underdog. You get an instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars that lets you play eight entries in best ball mania, put in a hundred dollars. You get an extra hundred. That's eight entries into best ball mania where $10 million are up for grabs. Promo code underworld on underdog and if there's ever a case, I mean, it's very rare you'd ever draft two running backs on the same team based on their ADP, how late Miles Sanders is going and how late Kennedy Brooks is going and how many touchdowns in the running game are up for grabs in 2022 in Philadelphia, that would be the one running back duo I would happily roster in best ball, Sanders yeah. and Brooks. And I think especially in that format, it makes a lot more sense, right? Like Because you know that more than likely um, Kennedy Brooks – is going to take over the games that Miles Sanders is a little bit dinked up in. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be a rush on the waiver wire at the end of September to get Kennedy Brooks. I'm reporting that now. Just go ahead. Even if you don't have Miles Sanders, like we're talking traditional fantasy football, right? Right. Redraft. If you take him when you take those late dart throws at the end of your draft, at some point he's going to be worth something, Right. Whether that's replacing as a flex play on a week that Miles has to sit, whether that's, you know, something happens to Miles Sanders and he becomes an every week RB2, like something, he's going to have value at some point this season. They're just guys that we know inevitably get dinged up a week or two here or there. And that's what you want out of throwing a dart in round 15. Like at some point, you're just looking for upside and he offers a lot more upside than most of the like players buried on a depth chart somewhere. Um, all the way back in on Miles Sanders. Like, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in on him. Like, no, no, I, I, oh, I love him so much. If the situation's this good, I'm in. I'm back. I'm back, guys. I'm back. Yeah, and I mean, look. like Even Kenny Gainwell. You don't get Miles Sanders, get Kenny Gainwell. Right? I, I get not wanting to draft both Sanders and Gainwell because then you're betting against yourself. But just always have Gainwell ready if you miss on Sanders. And always get Brooks. Always. The way that they've constructed this roster, like, and I mean, we've talked a billion times about how we love Howie Roseman, but like the, the the way that they've gone about acquiring talent, moving back with New Orleans and still getting their guy. Now they have another twenty three first round pick, right? Like, They're it's just so savvy. It's a masterclass. Think about every level of the defense. Okay, Jordan Davis, uh, Nicobe Dean, uh, James Bradbury. It was just like. Just building, 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 building. And they're building towards something. And they're going to surprise everyone, especially like a Stephen A. Smith, right? Yeah. These guys that are just a, a, hot take artists. Skip Bayless, right? They're just penciling in the Cowboys in the NFC East. And they're going to look up and like, wait, the, the Eagles are running away with this division. What happened? What happened? It was, it was plus 250 on Caesar Sportsbook. How the hell did you get those odds? Eagles are running away with it. Well, we, we listened to the decision point, right? That's the thing. People are like, oh, well, we, you know, decision points, the show on YouTube and it's a podcast on a player profiler. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a lot smarter than those guys over at uh, ESPN, right? 
they 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 know a little bit more than the uh what is it first take is that the name of the show yeah it is should be last place take name of the show should be last place take <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, like, Philly's in a weird spot because the rest of the division is trying to find their foothold. Dallas doesn't know what they are. Washington is trying to resurrect Carson Wentz's career for the third time now. The Giants are a year away. I mean, I like a lot of what they what they did oh, yeah. this year, but, but they're a year yeah. away. Arguably the two best players in the draft. Yeah, those are my two favorite picks in this entire draft. Right. Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau. They were our 1-2 and they got him at 5-7. and seven. I mean, yeah. congrats. Congrats. Now, the rest of their draft was underwhelming. When they went Wandale Robinson in the second round, I was like, oh, come on, you guys. It's vintage You started giants. so hot. Vintage It giants. was so promising. Like, what are you doing? Sky Moore and George Pickens were on the board. Shame on you. At least and you when, have Tony. Have, exactly. You already have <laughs> the same guy. What are you doing? And the, At least with Chris Ballard. Pickens was off the board when he went Alec Pierce. He still could have had Sky Moore, but, it, you know, so it was half as bad. Taking Alec Pierce was half as bad because Pickens wasn't there. Wandale Robinson. Oh, my God. Tyquan Thornton. Please. Child, please. Please, Bill. What are you doing? I think that Bill has become untethered. I think that there's no more voices of reason. And you could just look at the, the job titles. He hasn't even awarded coordinator roles anymore he's just like no you are all just coaches and i am god you are all just player personnel and i am god i decide who we're drafting i decide who we're playing i decide what plays we're running i decide everything now i'm just doing everything completely untethered from reality and i'm gonna play the bulliest of bully ball as a reaction to the majority of the NFL going small, going to nickel and dime defenses. Bill Belichick talked about this with Nick Saban on HBO, the special he did on HBO. So I'm not surprised by the Patriots strategy, but that's also what the Eagles are doing. It's interesting that that's what the Eagles are doing, but the Eagles are, are just better with more impactful playmakers across the board than the Patriots. Yeah, and like, look, you you have to beat first. You build to beat the teams in your division, right? And it's clear that nobody's going to out physical Philly in that division. Then you've got to build to beat the better teams in your conference, right? And look in the NFC, you have Green Bay, who plays a very particular style of football that sometimes does not translate to playoff success. You have Tampa, who now needs is asking Brady to do even more as that defense ages and ages, right? I don't know how sustainable that is. You have a Rams team that relies on a lot of its stars to stay healthy. One of those goes out and suddenly that picture looks different, right? Whereas in the AFC, when you look at a team like Buffalo, who I think is the team to beat in the NFL right now, I think objectively Buffalo is the best team in football last year. Now, we've talked a million times about how the best team in football rarely wins the Super Bowl because so many things have to go right in order for that to happen. But Buffalo still being the best team in football, every team in the AFC has got to figure out how to stop Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, that whole crew, right? And nobody has figured it out yet. Nobody. Like, the Chiefs needed a miracle from God to knock them out at home. Like, 
that's the moment where you realize, right? Like if you're an NFL franchise, there are there are franchise defining moments that don't have as much to do with you as they have to do with the team that you're chasing. And in that moment, when Al when Josh Allen did what he did to New England and then what he did in Kansas City in back-to-back weeks, it was the hey, Pat, great job. You might win this one, but we're coming. Like right right now, that that's part of why I think they moved Tyreek Hill is they know that that $30 million that that, that Miami's going to pay him is better spent on the defensive side of the ball trying to figure out how to stop all of these guys. Because look, like how many times have we talked about Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, that entire crew of Buffalo pass catchers outside of Stephon Diggs? Allen's making them all what they are, right? And Kansas City's hoping Mahomes can do the same thing. Green Bay's hoping Rodgers can do the same thing, where we give you one pretty good receiver, and you carry everybody else. Obviously, nobody's got the one like Diggs, though. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's not even comparable, right? You go to what, what Aaron Rodgers has, nah. Mahomes, nah. No, it, it, Kelsey is, is no Diggs, and certainly uh, Alan Lazard is no Diggs. Uh, on Caesars, the Buffalo is the favorite, plus 700, to win the Super Bowl. So... That, those are terrible odds, right? I would say bet on Buffalo. I agree with you. I've been saying this for six months. This is the best team in the league, and they just got snake bitten in the playoffs. But see, the sharps are on it. So this yeah. one, the sharps are on. They're not fully on. They're, they're you can tell that the sharps are now dabbling on Philadelphia, especially it's just been twenty four hours since the James Bradbury signing. But the James Bradbury signing will wake up a bunch of people. They'll do more research. And uh, you'll see some 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 heavy analytical analysis around the Eagles, and you're you're going to see that line move to nine and a half. That's my prediction. The the so the the tough part about taking Buffalo to win, right, is the odds are going to be juiced for them to win because everybody I think at this point acknowledges they're the best team in football. But also built into that line is the gauntlet that they have to go through in the AFC where they get really good team after really good team after really good team, even if they are the one seed, right? Like That's why the Buccaneers are plus 800, and they are clearly inferior. Just look at the overall roster. Oh, yeah. It's an easier path to go through the NFC. Yeah, because, I mean, look, even if Philly is what we think they are, Green Bay is what we think they are, Tampa Bay, L.A., who else is there? Eagles are plus 4,000. Same as the Patriots, plus 4,000 to win the Super Bowl. Dabble on that one, too. Caesar Sportsbook, Podfather CZR. So 40 to 1, essentially. Woo! What are their odds to win the NFC? I wonder how different those are. Placing odds to win the Super Bowl is so tough if you choose an AFC team, right? Like with the AFC, I would stick to division winners. And that's tough because, like, there's no, there's no value on Buffalo there. The Eagles are plus 1,800 to win the NFC. Okay, so what they're telling you is they don't even think they're in the top five of the NFC, which is fine. I think they finished there. I don't think they're they're not there now, obviously. Yeah, the bookmakers have the Eagles below the Cardinals, below the 49ers. Below the Niners makes sense. Below the Niners makes sense just because they've done it. No, they're, they're just a better version of the 49ers. They're the 49ers East, but better. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, I, yeah, we will see. We, we will see. We will see. And you saw Tyreek Hill go to Miami. Right? I do not understand that at all. I don't get it. 
why did they do that? Anytime a team pays for the right to overpay a post-Apex veteran, it is a mistake. Yeah. Always and forever. I don't. What I don't understand most about this is what are they trying to achieve, right? Because right now it it's making it like it re, one it reeks of desperation. Two, right now it seems like they ha, they think they have to make two a work, and they're gonna overpay to make that happen, which is a terrible way to go about doing anything. I like for me. Giving up the draft capital was bad enough. Then paying him thirty million a year is just asinine. Like it, he's a speed receiver that does one thing better than anybody else by far. There's there's no argument against that. But how long can he do it? What are you paying for? Do they think they can win a Super Bowl this year? Next year? Like they're look if this make if if that move had made them the best team in their division, I would understand it a little bit. They're still clearly not. I don't get it. It's not like they got DK Metcalf. It's not like they got a pre-Apex proper alpha. They got a post-Apex field stretcher. Whatever you think about Tua, he's a downgrade from Patrick Mahomes. So, <laughs> like, like I, I do not for the life of me understand why they did that. I don't get it. Tyreek Hill has only dropped 10 spots on underdog. He was going at pick 10. He's Now he's going pick 20. That's called anchoring. That's called anchoring. There's a slow process. It's a slow grinding, deliberate process for ADPs to adjust. And in the the weeks after a transaction is announced, there is a strategic advantage you can get on the field by being quicker to adjust more aggressively to changes in situation. He shouldn't be dropping 10 ADP points. He should be dropping 20 to 30 slots. Now that he's a dolphin, it's such a it's such a massive downgrade to go from the Chiefs, where your primary wide receiver target competition was Juju Smith-Schuster, to the Dolphins and Tua, and you're competing with Jalen Waddle. And it's a coach that's coming from a run-first, run-oriented philosophy. Yeah, there's a lot of—I have so many questions about why they did this. It just— it's very weird. It's very it, it it's something I see a lot which which is coach X is comfortable with system X and personnel package Y. Yep. So I need the offensive lineman to run my system. I need the wide receivers for my personnel packages and I'm going to look around the league and shop at the grocery store for what I need to make this meal. Yeah. That's how they think. And it Mike McDaniel shows up in Miami, and he's like, I don't have a Debo. We got to find a Debo. And they're like, Well, I, I, we can get a faster Debo. Would you like a faster Debo, Mike? Oh, I'd love a faster, a faster Debo. Oh, talk to me. Well, this this guy Tyreek Hill, and he wants to come to Miami. He wants to move back here. Thirty okay. million dollars a year. Really? He wants to be here? Yeah. Tyreek Hill wants to be in Miami. Well, let's 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 call Andy Reid. Let's get a deal done. Let's go. Let's go. I want to be a winner. I don't want to start my career as a head coach as a loser. Spend whatever it takes. Draft picks, money, salary cap space. Don't care. Make it happen. Look, it is harder to find a shutdown corner than a number one receiver. Way harder, right? But the top of the cornerback market is $20 million a year. Jair Alexander just reset it. The top of the wide receiver market is $30 million a year. 
if you have to pick between one or the other, which one would you pay? I'm taking the one-third discount for the more difficult position to find. Like, uh, the the Christian Kirk contract sent this entire market into frenzy. Yeah, the, the question is, do you want J.C. Jackson or Christian Kirk? That's the question. Is that a, is that a question? And my answer is always, uh, J.C. Jackson, J.C. Jackson, J.C. Jackson, J.C. Jackson. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why the Eagles were brilliant to to hold that ten million dollars back and have it ready to put down on James Bradbury. And they still got AJ Brown. I can't believe we we did all that all that discussion of the Eagles fixated on Jalen Hurts' development and their defense. Even Miles Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell. We mentioned we mentioned everybody except Dallas Goddard, one of the best tight ends in the league, one of the best two way tight ends in the sport, and AJ Brown. One of the best wide receivers in the sport. Yeah. Dude, this team is damn good. Yeah, this team's really good. And, like, the, the part of it that, that people Woo! are missing on is Bradbury is more likely to outperform that $10 million a year contract than anybody that Jacksonville signed and paid a huge premium for. Like, if you're going to overpay one of the positions, you can get away with overpaying a DB. If you overpay a wide receiver you're in trouble, especially one that's past the AJ Pex. Like, that's, what that's to me, if DK Metcalf transacts, if Debo Samuel transacts, those moves make sense because you have control over what they get paid next, right? Whereas Tyreek Hill coming in and saying, I'm, what, 28, 29 years old, I'm a speed receiver, I want $30 million a year, give up multiple day ones to go get him. Oh. What are you doing? No, it was it was a truly awful deal for the Miami we, Dolphins and a truly incredible deal for the Chiefs. Yeah, I, for the life of me, what I don't understand is this. We talk all the time about how you don't want to compound bad decisions, right? The bad decision was initially trading that capital for a guy that's out of the age apex that plays a very specific role that you don't know if you have a if you have the quarterback right as the right fit to maximize that skill set then on top of that you made him the highest paid receiver ever yeah oh yeah no and we've had some passionate chiefs fans write in cuz we were like hey listen you can get plus 110 on the chiefs under 10 and a half they've lost big time playmakers right cornerstones of their offense the game has changed. It's literally a game-changing player. The game has completely changed on offense now for the Chiefs. And everything just got harder for everybody on offense with Tyreek Hill gone. They did get a treasure trove of assets back. In the first round, Trent McDuffie at value at pick 21. Very good value. And yep. one of if not the best value in the entire draft, George Karloftis. Yep, a tackle for loss machine at the very end of the first round, and only because this was such a strong draft for Edge was Karloftis even available. Sky Moore, the best value wide receiver pick in the entire draft. Brian Cook, a safety at the end of the second round, incredible value, and then a guy you like, Leo Chanel. Yeah, Wisconsin. I mean, look, Leo Chanel, Brian Cook, Karloftis, Trent McDuffie. Chanel? I think Chanel. Chanel? Chanel. Let us know in the chat. Let us know. Let us know in the comments. Is it is it Chanel or Chanel? I'm not a big Wisconsin fan. I didn't see a lot of Wisconsin broadcasts last year. Well, the thing is, Wisconsin linebackers are 
smart, well coached, tough. He's got a lot of like he's got a lot of stuff that you you look for in your classic NFL linebacker. But that being said, adding to a defense that already had pieces you like, and you add McDuffie, Karloftis, Cook, and Leo. Oh, Chenal, dude, he ran a four five three and had a one eighteen point seven. 97th percentile speed score with a 97th percentile burst score. This guy's not only a Wisconsin linebacker that's been coached up and developed in the Big Ten. Yeah. He's also best comparable athletically to Luke Keekley. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. That was a great pick. Round three. Wow. They got got him in the third round. And so that's why I think people are – like overselling the demise of Kansas City because the defensive side of the ball got that much better. And if we think Sky Moore, I mean, obviously we're high on him, right? But if he's 90% of what we think he is, the offense is going to be fine. Will they be as explosive? No. Yeah, the offense is going to be fine. It's not going to be the thing, the engine that drives the winning like it was the previous couple years. That's my issue. That's my issue. And in such a difficult division, playing against Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, now Russell Wilson. This is the case. Just take the under. You don't know what's going to happen. This division's going to be a bloodbath. Just fade the favorite in that division. And you get the, the extra, the additional payout because the Sharps are on the over for the Chiefs. But I think part of that is the public as well. right? It's the, it's the reason why you generally want to take the under on the Cowboys because the public's going to flood the zone with overbets because the, the Cowboys are America's team. They're popular. Generally speaking, the franchise is popular. So that's 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 a good underbet. Well things have changed in Kansas City and they're young. So it may be that you, you take the Kansas City under this year, acknowledge they had an incredible draft, and take the over next year. Yeah, it's just it kind of depends. That's one of those teams that I would I would stay away from totals wise. Because the thing is Patrick Mahomes can go god mode and carry them to whatever you gotta take the under on somebody dude you can't just take overs you can't just take the over you take the over on the eagles you take the under on the cowboys yeah i would just avoid the afc west entirely it's there there are too many new moving parts that we haven't seen in their new spots to accurately get any kind of picture there that to me that entire division is just an avoid even the raiders even the Raiders. Even the Chargers? I think the Raiders and Chargers are teams that you can bet on. You can at least bet them to win the division. Oh, I mean, if you think the Raiders can win the division at plus 675, that's pretty decent value. Right. That That's a value bet. That's all it is. You don't have to put much money down on it, but you can just make a value bet on the Raiders and the Chargers to win the division just knowing, hey, this is going to be a bloodbath. And just on principle, whoever the favorite is, you take the under and the total wins. Yeah, the thing is, I wouldn't touch any of the team totals. Like, they're all squished together. Nobody knows. Like, it's you can bet on somebody to win the division, but when you get into who's going to have 10 wins versus 11, like, that's that's such a tough market to figure out. There's too many unknowns there. New places, new faces in in new places. Like, there's there's a lot. There's a lot to to question about who's going to come out of there, and I think it's going to be awesome to watch. Like, it, is. it feels like every week they're going to have a game on primetime, which is going to be great. I mean, the, the football aspect of it's going to be incredible. But figuring out the who do you want to take out of there is, is, is a lot. How did A.J. Brown end up on the Eagles? I really don't know. Because I feel like I have a handle on how Tyreek Hill ended up in Miami. I don't know. 
how Brown ended up in Philadelphia. Reports came out that he cut off talks with the team and then requested a trade demanding $80 million guaranteed and then just cut off communication. Didn't we find out at the same time? I think we were there. I think I think it was um, while we were watching from somewhere. I can't remember. We were in Vegas when we found this out. And if the immediate reaction was what? Like, why would you let A.J. Brown go? One. Two, if you're Philly, what are you trying to do in terms of acquiring him, right? Like, obviously, now we know what they were trying to do. Philly was trying to get their 1A, 1B set with Devontae and somebody, and then A.J. Brown came in and filled that role for them very nicely because, I mean, look, like, if you're not going to pay him, you might as well trade him. If you're the Titans, like, if you're not going to pay him, don't lose him for nothing. Now, it's going to suck. That's a lot to stomach. But if he's going to walk, you have no choice but to let him go. That's where the leverage in these new contracts is is changing, right? Like, it used to be that fifth-year option on a rookie deal meant you were locked into the franchise. And if you're a quarterback, it still does to an extent. But now they have negotiating power at the end of year three to say, hey, either pay me or, or, or trade me. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do whatever. Because it worked out. it's worked out for several guys to make that play already. I think you're only going to see it more and more going forward. So what did you think of the package that the Titans received for A.J. Brown? Part of that deal was obviously Jalen and A.J. are very close. The Eagles acquired A.J. Brown for the 18th pick and the 101st pick. Oh, my God. Okay, what did Arizona give up for Hollywood Brown? So, and the Titans used that pick to take Traylon Burks and reset the clock on a similar player's contract. They don't have to pay Traylon Burks. $80 $80 million guaranteed until at least 2025. There you go. And then with pick 101, they ended up trading it to the Jets. So, I mean, if you're trying to replace A.J. Brown, I don't know that there's a better plug-and-play stylistic fit than Burks. But the thing is, man, Howie Roseman got a much better deal than the Dolphins did. Oh, yeah. Right? The deal that... The Eagles got on Brown so much better than what the Dolphins got on Hill. That was, I think it's just the brand appeal, the sex appeal of the touchdown scoring field stretcher, the game changing offense paradigm shifting wide receiver. It just has so much more perceived value than the all purpose possession receiver with yards after the catch ability. You're going to get a lot more in trade for Tyreek Hill than you will in AJ Brown. Then you yep. will a Debo Samuel, for example. Do you think Debo Samuel is going to get traded? It all signs point to it, right? And like, I think the relationship with the Niners is salvageable, but based on what other receivers have transacted for, I think they move up. And the reason why is there is a non-zero chance that we just saw the best season he'll ever have. Because if you decide to pay Debo Samuel money, you're going to have to pay up for what he did as a receiver last year and what he did as a running back last year, right? And odds are he's not going to want to play that position anymore. So you're paying for both skill sets while only being able to utilize one. And I just, there's no, no version of me is okay with giving up what it would take to get him, which I think will probably, they're going to, they're going to request two firsts and I would not pay that price. There's no way. AJ Brown still doesn't have his contract extension. So the beauty is that, that deal was 
even better for Howie Roseman because he didn't have to commit yeah. to the long-term extension in order to make the deal happen. And there you go, right? Because because A.J. Brown was still in his rookie deal and he had no leverage. Well, a part of it too, right, is now they have the ability to, if this all works out the way they think it will, get a Jalen extension done this offseason if, if you commit to him as your long-term quarterback. You could potentially get an A.J. Brown deal done this upcoming offseason. And then the following offseason, you extend Devontae Smith, and suddenly now you've opened the window of, for those three guys to be together for essentially your foreseeable future, which I think makes a lot of sense. By not committing all that money to A.J. Brown, they could use it for, oh, <gasps> James Bradbury. Oh, yeah. Right? And also, you get a player who's going to be incentivized to play at a capacity that you know someone who just came off a mega deal wouldn't be as incentivized as a player still on their rookie deal going for their first next major contract which for most players, their second contract is everything. Yeah, and I think A.J. Brown's going to make all the money he could ever want. It's just, it's a matter of when he's going to get it, not if. Well, it's just disappointing if you're A.J. Brown and you're out here trying to put up the maximum production possible to then go to the market and argue that you're worth $80 million guaranteed, which again is what he was reportedly demanding and why the two sides came to an impasse. Well, you go from a run-first team that is a Derrick Henry-centric offense to a run-first team that is a Jalen Hurts-centric offense that also happens to have Devontae Smith on the roster and Dallas Goddard. Yep. Who's the tight end in Tennessee that he was competing for targets with last year? Uh, Ferkser, right? Yeah. So it, Dallas Goddard's no Ferkser. No. Okay? And Devontae Smith is no... Nick Westbrook Akine, no, right? So his situation just got even worse. It just became more difficult to justify $80 million guaranteed. But I think it's going to be one of those cases where his numbers may go down, but his impact because of what he does that they lacked in Philadelphia changes their ceiling. Oh, 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 this is a great deal for the Eagles. It's not a great deal for A.J. Brown. No, it's not a great deal for A.J. Brown at all. You could argue if you were doing running it back in hindsight with game theory that knowing that the Titans could just snap trade you, he should have soft-pedaled that initial demand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's going to get paid one way or the other. He will, but it's just it got a little harder. It got a little harder. It did get a little harder. Maybe a lot harder. Maybe a lot harder. I mean, but look, like, you got to understand, being a wide receiver right now is great. I mean, Allen Robinson just got paid after those last two years in Chicago. Allen Robinson just got a quarterback. Allen Robinson got a quarterback, everybody. Woo! Quarterback! He got him. He finally got the quarterback. We get to see Allen Robinson with an elite quarterback. I'm so excited for that. And... Guess who else won? Guess who else got an upgrade in his quest for a long-term contract extension, a big second contract? Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown going from the Lamar Jackson offense, which is more run-centric and slower than the more up-tempo Kyler Murray offense going there. And now you see DeAndre Hopkins suspended. All the pieces are clicking into place for Marquise Brown in a way they're not for A.J. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. Arizona is a very interesting team for a multitude of reasons. You've got Kyler Murray reportedly wanting the moon on his next contract. 
You've got him scrubbing his social media profile of the Cardinals only to bring all this stuff back. You've got D-Hop getting suspended for, what is it, six games. They traded for, for Marquise Brown. Like, it's odd. Like, they're exciting. They're interesting. But who knows? Like, I'm trying to figure out logically where this team's ceiling is, and I just can't figure it out. It's never good when a team trades a wide receiver during his rookie deal. It wasn't good for A.J. Brown. It wasn't good for Marquise Brown. And it wasn't good for Brian Edwards, right? Brian Edwards, yes, there was a. they got back a slight upgrade in picks, right? Vegas was given a fifth rounder right, in exchange for a seventh rounder and Brian Edwards. But a day three pick exchange, that's all Brian Edwards is now worth. That is a glaring red flag. So it's a major red flag when you get dumped for nothing, right? At least A.J. Brown's commanding first rounders. Marquise Brown is getting you know, has some clearly has a lot more value in the market than a Brian Edwards. So that part of it, that's an interesting way when you're valuing these players for dynasty leagues for dynasty rankings, for example, you see the uncertainty goes up going to a new situation and receiving a signal that this player is not necessarily as valuable as the market believes it is. That's what the Ravens trading him away indicates to you. Yep. And anybody ends up in a better situation. So the projected opportunities go up. The projected production goes up. But the uncertainty also goes up. So yes, he ends up with a higher dynasty rating at the end of this. But there, there is that one concern that, okay, Team X said, you know what? We're, we're fine without this guy. Yep. Yeah. That That's, that's always the – you wonder why sometimes, right? Like If you're Miami, you've got to wonder – yeah, if you're concerned about that with Brian Edwards, well, you need to have a, just a, the slightest bit of concern about that with A.J. Brown, a little more concern about that with Marquise Brown. Tyree Kill, all of them, anybody that gets moved, right? Why am I, like, why? It's what we talked about when we talked about Devontae Parker. Why? They're willing to give him to a division rival. I just dropped Devontae Parker in Dynasty. I need to make room for all my rookie picks. I was like, Devontae Parker, you're, you're, I can't even look at you. I can't even look at him. On that offense, that bully ball offense, where they're going to be playing five running backs, and you know he's the third most efficient wide receiver on that roster now, behind even Kendrick Bourne. Like it, it it's a much better real life move than it, like fantasy wise. It's a disaster. Oh, it's 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 worst case scenario. Yeah, it's worst case scenario. Rashad Bateman moved up the rankings at a higher rate than Marquise Brown after this transaction. And there is this this one site, predictionstrike.com. They treat players like stocks. And last year, Rashad Bateman, at the beginning of the season, his price was $4.30. Now it's $3.69. He's the same player. He's now healthy. And his situation just got a lot better with Marquise Brown now in Arizona. And he's less expensive. He was number 32 in production premium last year, so he was a top 35 most efficient wide receiver in the league last year because production premium looks at every given down and distance and what you delivered against other wide receivers compared to other wide receivers in the same downs and distances throughout the season, and he came in positive, plus four, plus 4.2. And he was also top 30 in win rate, so we tracked the win rate on every route run and... 
38.6 was number 26 among NFL wide receivers. So if you're going to be putting down some some shares of Rashad Bateman, putting that in your portfolio on Prediction Strike, that's a good idea. And when you do it, use promo code UNDERWORLD and you get a free player share when you invest $20. Just $20. Just just put $20 in your account and you get a free Rashad Bateman. That's pretty cool. I mean, like, I look, love like, Bateman is an interesting guy to kind of look at, right? Because, like, supporting a wide receiver one in Lamar Jackson's offense is going to be tough, if only because they run the ball so much and Mark Andrews takes so much of that volume, right? Like, I think he has value where he's being drafted, though. I think people have forgotten just how good a prospect he was. I think people have forgotten that there is still – there are still targets in that offense that aren't Mark Andrews. Like, Yeah. I mean, Rashad Bateman's amazing. Just so you know, Rashad Bateman – Reminds me of Keenan Allen. He's explosive Keenan Allen. I've, I've trademarked that. Just like I trademarked the Podfather, right? You see this? The trademark? Podfather <laughs> trademark. Okay? We've trademarked a Podfather. We've trademarked explosive Keenan Allen for a shot. Just watch. Just watch. I'm ready for him to be the most efficient wide receiver in the league this year. Because he's not going to get the volume, I understand. But he could, be, he, could get, he could put up incredible efficiency numbers. I'm very excited for it. What about Jerry Judy? Because Jerry Judy was arrested, and the details of this arrest were interesting. They were interesting. And it was a domestic dispute, and it was technically property tampering where one party was withholding his phone, and then he withheld a number of items. Unfortunately, and this, is, I think, just might be bad luck. So I think it was a wallet, paperwork. So it might have been like a bag of stuff. I'm envisioning like a bag of stuff. Like, hey, I have your bag. You have my phone. We're in a dispute. We need to resolve this. We can't get it resolved. We have to call the police. They open up the bag. What's in the bag? Baby formula. Yeah, not exactly the thing you want to be hoarding right now. Not in this economy. That is the last thing you want to be hoarding in this economy. So, I mean, you could just imagine his face, right? When they open it up and there's baby formula in there, he's like, oh, oh, dude. I can't catch a break. I mean, come on, right? I, I'm I'm surging, and then I experience like maybe the worst high ankle sprain in the NFL last year. Yeah, just as I'm playing well, right? Oh, can't can't catch a break. Now this, given the details, this reminds me a little bit of the Tyree Kill dispute. Even though uh, there was a child involved, not baby formula, so it was very different in that way. But where clearly the other party the partner, whoever it was, is saying, hey, you know, cooler heads have prevailed now. I'm not going to press charges. I'm not going to um, participate in an investigation against this individual. I, I think we need to drop it. And Tyreek Hill didn't serve an NFL suspension. And the optics on the Tyreek Hill incident were much worse than this. So you may be able to get Jerry Judy at a discount now in Dynasty and in, in, in seasonal leagues in particular and best ball on underdog, uh, because when you actually read the details, it's it's hard to envision an objective third party coming in and going, yeah, shame on this guy. You know, he, he we got to stop him from working uh, because, you know, he was in the driveway with someone and they were arguing and they were locking each other's stuff in each other's cars. There's no discount right now on underdog, right? Since Russell Wilson is ADP's way up, uh, and I think it's come down maybe a few points. But it's, it's holding pretty firm. Most people are not running out thinking 
he's a suspension risk at the moment. So they're, they're, they're still drafting him with confidence. I still prefer Sutton. Right? This was just another drop in like a dripping bucket. It's filling up with reasons to go Cortland Sutton. It's just another reason for me to go Cortland Sutton. Whenever you talk about stuff that happens in the legal system that the league looks into, one of the big things is if there is a victim, they want an interview, right? And if – I can't remember if his wife, girlfriend, what, what the situation was. So, I mean, you know that in this case, you know, Judy's wife, girlfriend, I can't remember which one it is, is also not going to be cooperative. So, like, I don't see a way that they can suspend him for conduct detrimental in any way because they're not going to get the other side of the story especially because it seems like both Jerry, Judy, and the lady involved seem to be on the same side of this. I, I just, I think ultimately this was a bunch of hoopla about something that's going to ultimately amount to nothing. What's up with the wide receiver position? What's going on? They're all divas. Henry Ruggs is out of the league. Yeah, they're all divas. Right? I mean, Henry Ruggs is drag racing at 4 a.m. I mean, what's happening with the wide receiver position where... So many of these guys are just, they're clearly grinding on their team's last nerve. They're like, you can't treat us like this in negotiations, A.J. Brown. You're gone. Your situation just got worse. There are only a couple teams in the league where it could be worse. We're sending you to a place where it was worse. Bye bye Marquise Brown, bye bye Tyreek Hill, right? A cornerstone member of this franchise, gone, right? And then they're drafting just wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver throughout the teens in the draft. It's, All you gotta it's, do is hit it's on just one? fascinating. It's well, fascinating. It makes me glad that we're in the fantasy football game because yeah. it's like cracking wide receivers is one of the most important things, maybe the most important objective in all of fantasy football is figuring out which wide receivers to draft, finding the next Cooper Cup, and it just so happens that the guys that play that position are out here making it very interesting. Well, look, okay, so we talked about the market earlier on – DB versus wide receiver. I think it's important to acknowledge now, too, that Diggs going to Buffalo and doing what he did for Josh Allen's career has prompted teams to try to do the same things with guys that aren't quite as versatile as a Stefan Diggs. Like, there's no doubt Tyreek Hill is in the same tier of player as a Diggs is, but he doesn't do as many things as Stefan can. Right. And so when you try to trade for a Tyreek Hill to create that situation for your quarterback, you're doing yourself a disservice because he can't do all of the things that Diggs does. So I think now you're getting to a point where teams would rather kind of like the Pats used to piecemeal a running back roster together. Right. Instead of investing in one guy, they invested in guys that did different things and had four or five of them and just threw whichever one out there they needed at that moment. I think teams are trying to do the same thing at wide receiver. You saw it in Philly where they have the big body tight end that can go up the middle, go down the seam in Dallas Goddard. They have your your traditional Z in Devontae Smith. And they were like, look, we need, we need our physical presence at wide receiver. You go trade for A.J. Brown. Right, like instead of trying to go get all of these things in one guy, a la Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, DK Metcalf, now teams are trying to find okay, this guy can play this role, this guy can play this role, this guy can play this role, and instead of paying one guy like Tyree Kill thirty million dollars, Kansas City's another one of those teams that's trying to figure out okay, we can replace his production somehow. 
we can't do it all with one player, but how do we get Pat's, you know, how, how do we get the same production out of multiple guys? And I think teams are starting to figure out it's a lot easier to do that with wide receivers in the draft and that other teams have discarded than it is to figure out how to do that at cornerback. It's just, it's, it's a different game that's being played. You have, if you, if you have a number one corner, you can't afford to lose him. DK Metcalf getting traded? I think so, ultimately. Really? They would do that? Oh, I don't think it's going to be up to Seattle. Oh. I think he's going to force his way out. Oh. Yeah. I think he's going to force his way out. Because, look. I mean, they were, he was teammates with A.J. Brown at Old Miss. So. Yeah. He, he knows the, he knows the playbook of how to get out of town. <laughs> He knows the get-out-of-town playbook. There are like 25 teams that would love to have DK Metcalf right now. Dude. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tyreek Hill's 28. By the way, James Bradbury, also 28. Yeah. Right. Think about the difference in uh, perceived value. Right? Yeah, it's insane. $10 million prove-it deal for a top 28-year-old corner. A billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. For a top wide receiver. And it's and it's smart franchises that you're watching do this. It's not teams that have you know one offs like like playoff runs. Like you're watching really good teams do this in Kansas City and Green Bay. I mean, I think it tells you where that market's headed. You cannot find players like DK Metcalf if you're going to go out and overpay. DK Metcalf would be the guy I would want over and above AJ Brown, over and above all these guys. Right? Yeah. I really hope that he finds his way to a Bills in a deal like. Buffalo struck to get Stephon Diggs. I really hope that he ends up in one of those types of deals and gets paired with a top quarterback, and it's just completely on. Where would you like to see him go? I think they're – man, it's 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 open because I think every team – like DK Metcalf is the kind of player that you can't just go find, right? Like you can't find a guy that's that big, that strong, that fast, that tracks the ball like he does. It's like it, – it's like – um like. Julio Jones, right? What if he had been available for Atlanta to trade when he was that young? I don't think DK's quite as good as Julio, but they're they're similar in in terms of what they do. Jerry Jones should be targeting him. Jerry Jones that that's where he should go because Michael Gallup is a replacement level alpha, right? If you're going to go up against number 1 corners team to team to team, you need to have special traits, truly special traits. Debo has special traits. We talked about that. DK Metcalf has truly special alpha traits in a way that Michael Gallup does not. Michael Gallup is basically a placeholder in that exposition to try to scheme CeeDee Lamb and the other wide receivers into space, right? That's ideal. Like I'd love to play CeeDee in the slot, play Jalen Tolbert at Z, and have DK Metcalf out at X. That for the oh my for the future of the Cowboys offense, Dak Prescott, that would be absolutely incredible because that team is currently missing a proper alpha, a needle moving alpha, and Michael Gallup's not even going to be ready for the season to start. Yeah, that injury sucks. That X receiver position is still wide open, and that Michael Gallup contract can be moved in exchange for DK Metcalf. So you could say, hey, we'll give you Gallup to replace Metcalf plus. A first rounder, a second rounder. That's actually the player I would trade a first rounder in order to then extend. The weird part for me is I think that on the open market, if teams are just trading for him, 
I think Debo would go for more than DK, even though I agree with you, DK should go for more than Debo. DK Metcalf's market has been set already. A.J. Brown said it. The A.J. Brown trade said it. He's the same age, similar production, similar prospect profiles, similar breakout ratings on the Breakout yep. Finder app. Yeah, that, that's, that's what it'll take. First round pick. I think it would take two firsts to get Debo. Yeah, first round pick plus to get DK Metcalf. First round pick plus, you know, second or third rounder was the price for AJ Brown. I think that would also be the price for DK Metcalf. And you're right. Two first rounders to get Debo Samuel. And whoever decides to push the button on that deal is a sucker. rounders to get Debo Samuel and whoever decides to push the button on that deal is a sucker. Yeah, that's not going to go well. Because the thing is if you think realistic. Don't you realize that was the show? Didn't you realize I was going out on that? No. When you see me when you see me like winding up and really hammering on and you look at the clock and we're an hour and a half in don't you know that's when we're going out? Hey, I just wanted to say something. R.E. Debo Samuel. Here's my question to every head coach out there that wants to trade for him. Do you think you can do a better job scheming him open than Kyle Shanahan? All but three of you are liars. And if he doesn't go to one of those three teams, you See, we could have got out on that! We could have got... If you had just held liars. If you had just stopped at liars. See? You See? Suckers, that's a great word to go out on. Liars, that's a great word to go out on. I'm just trying to go out, man. I got my finger on the button to end this video. And I'm waiting for an opportunity to go out and, and, and fade to black. And you know, oh no, we got to run the bumper. So that's actually not true. I'm not going to fade to black right away. We're going to fade to a bumper and then fade to black. Uh, I could do the bumper anytime because we, we're recording the video. But uh, anyway. Uh, that's the show. <laughs> That'll be the show. Poor guy. I feel so bad for him. Like, you had this brilliant all-time season and became this very special player. Now you want to cash in on it and... You're probably going to go to a worse team, a worse head coach, somebody that doesn't know how to use you. Like, I, I hope he gets all the money in the world, man. I really do. It's just, I, I don't I don't see his future prospects being any better than the ones, the season that he just had. Wish him all the best. Yeah. Good for him, man. We're going out on that. So we're going to have all these fake out go outs. <laughs> Who else? Tyree Kill, Marquise Brown, A.J. Brown. A lot of wide receivers on the move. Yep. Whispers about D.K. Metcalf on the move. Debo. 
also in that same boat. Oh, Debo. Yeah. Um, you know, Jerry Judy arrested. Yeah. Suspected domestic violence incident. Um, some kind of conspiracy to commit domestic violence or something. I don't remember. Let's see what that was. Basically, from what I read, it was pretty much that he locked his um, ex-wife's phone in his car. And then like she came to the court to testify that he didn't do anything. And the county brought him. So Yeah, it solely involved property. Withholding items, wallet, paperwork, baby formula. Yep. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Yeah. Oh, and then Jer- Judy alleges that the woman took his phone. Okay, so that's what it was. So essentially, he locked some of her stuff in his car. Wow. This should not have been that big of a deal. but You should go to the principal's office for this. Right, exactly. I mean, this is this is some petty shit. Yeah, very much so. Until the baby formula comes up. And it's like, oh my god, there's a baby formula shortage. No, Jerry, no! This is the last thing you should be doing! He must not have known. I guarantee there was like a bag and he had no idea what was in it. If he knew he was withholding baby formula, no way. No way. In today's economy? (laughs) Um, Someone put something on Twitter that's hilarious. Like, if you get the chance, go look at it. The Broncos practice facility is literally, like, right behind Arapahoe County Jail. Like, literally right behind it. The internet had a field day. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on the on Tyreek Hill? It's such a weird move. It, it, like, reeks of desperation, and I don't understand why they would do it. I don't either. Because you have to give up all the capital. Then you have to pay him $30 million a year for a guy whose biggest asset is speed. And he's... And we know how that ages. Late... Like... Late in his career yeah kansas city i mean look like smart teams are telling you we'll pay our dbs and let the wide receivers walk because they don't think the markets the market for dbs has caught up to wide receivers it's harder to find a good db that's why packers essentially functionally the the packers chose jair alexander over Devontae adams and i think they did the right thing that's interesting okay yeah yeah, because everyone thinks you can just go to the draft and like, oh, just get Tyreek Thornton or get speed in the draft, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the Calvin thing is, Austin like, was a fourth round pick. It's not like they're not. Kansas City's not going to be able to replace Tyreek Hill in the sense of what he does for that offense, just being one guy out there. But in aggregate, they can replace that production. So whereas I, I was, I've been called out. They're like, be careful taking the under on Kansas City. You got to look at their draft. You look at their draft they had. It was amazing. Yeah. They did really well with what they had. Yeah. Like Duffy, like, Karloftis, Scott oh, Moore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, all of these guys were taking like 10 spots below where we would have had them ranked. Yeah. Karloftis was incredibly productive. He tackles for loss. He's a really good player. Watched a lot uh, of them. Just, while he was, just wasn't just, as athletic. Yeah. But uh, there's a bunch of these, these edge rushers that are just, they, get, they have great technique. They don't necessarily need to be the most explosive guy. Darian Kennard, Joshua Williams, Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel's a great player. Where's he from? Wisconsin. Brian Cook, where's he from? Why do I know that name? Brian Cook. Is he the running back from Georgia? No, 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 no. He's like a safety. Was he one of the HBCU guys? I'm looking up right now. Leo Chanel's a great football player. Where did they get him? Brian Cook, safety from Cincinnati. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The kid that played next to Gardner. Okay, yes. I know who you're talking about. Really good That might have been one of those things where they noticed his tape when they were watching tape of of, uh, Sauce Gardner. Gardner. 
Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they did really, really well. They also had a uh, they had a, a compensatory pick in the third round, which is great. Where did they get Chanel? Fourth round? Yeah, end of the third round with the compensatory pick. Oh my god, that's robbery. Yeah. It's good. He's good so stuff. good. It's good stuff. He's so good. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. Um yeah, I mean, we could, we can just make it wide receiver focused. That's fine. Just run them all down, and then try to think of yeah, kid, trying to bet like, especially if you're gonna take it into a lines context, trying to figure out what the fuck's going on in the AFC West is impossible. Like, I don't know how you feel good about any of them. No, I know. Because I, I think the best team is the Chargers, but they're the Chargers, right? You have no idea how Russ is gonna adjust year one. How Mahomes is going to adjust without Hill. Defense is going to be better. Vegas decided to buy everything on the open market. And I'm not sure why. Because, like, this would be the window that I punt. But, I mean, they're going to beat a lot of really good teams. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a tough call. It's a fantasy nightmare, too. What is? Devontae coming to the Raiders, right? Well, they got rid of Brian Edwards. Oh, we should talk about Brian Edwards. <laughs> I know you were going to go there. Brian, well, uh, uh, if, a, if a wide receiver is traded on his rookie deal, halfway through his rookie deal, that's such a bad sign. Yeah. The thing is, like, this is where, like, Devontae going to the Raiders is worst case scenario for everybody. He's going to take some targets from Renfro and Waller. They're not going to be as efficient as the targets he, cares, he got No one cares Ron. about freaking Renfro's targets. No, but I'm saying it's it's like it's complicating everything. Like I don't think Devontae's a one anymore. Like in terms of like auto smash top of round two draft pick. Like I don't think he's there anymore. Yeah, I don't we don't know what he's gonna be. Uh, in the Derek the Derek Carr offense though is probably gonna be okay. Dude, they dumped him for a seventh rounder. No, no, a fifth rounder. Sorry. They got Brian Edwards in a seventh rounder for a fifth round pick. There I mean that is a punt. They do not think he can play. Josh McDaniels assessed Brian Edwards and said, this guy can't play. Wow. Really? That's 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 a bad sign, man. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, credit to them, though. The fact that they have this receiver room after Ruggs gets arrested and they punt on Brian Edwards is pretty crazy. Like, for missing on two guys that high in the draft, this room's still pretty good. No, it's a good it's it, it's it's a good wide receiver room. Uh, I, I I'm not sure exactly what to make of Devontae Adams. Whenever wide receivers change teams, rapport, system, uh, the uh, Derek Carr is not going to lock onto him the way uh, Aaron Rodgers did. That's not Derek Carr's game. Derek Carr surveys the field. Derek Carr keeps the ball closer to the line of scrimmage, and Renfro is still going to get volume. Darren Waller is going to get volume. It just it. You're not going to see the 170 target season like you did with Devontae Adams. The the nice thing is, though, he's not going to get the target share, so he's now a second-round pick, not a first-round pick in, in fantasy. But, yeah, 169 targets last year, 169 targets. The last two full seasons for Devontae Adams, where he played the vast majority of the season, 16 of seven, at least 16 of 17 games or 15 of 16 games, he had a, exactly 169 targets. But the two seasons before that, it was more around 120. How many targets did Brandon Cooks have last year? 133, right? So I'd say 140 targets for Adams. That's 30 less. 
That's 30 less and 30 and significantly less efficient targets, too. Yeah, he won't have, I mean, probably not double digit touchdowns. Air yards are going to drop. Yeah, the touchdowns will drop. The air yards will drop. I'm not 100% sure the touchdowns will drop because this is still going to be a very efficient offense and they are going to be in a lot of shootouts, probably more shootouts than the Packers were in. So it's still very possible. Like he was number one in targets per route run. His targets per route run last year was 35.3%, which is, if you actually think about it in your head, is absolutely insane. Wow, that is interesting. Arizona is at nine, but the unders juice to minus 130. You know, you know another re really interesting one? Tell me. The North. They have Packers minus 170, Minnesota plus 260, which makes sense. Then the Bears at plus 900 and the Lions at plus 1,200. Oh, man. I don't want to start my career as a head coach as a loser spend whatever it takes oh my god anytime a team pays for the right to overpay a post apex veteran it is a mistake always and forever just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in on it. i'm like no no I, I, oh, I love him so much if the situation's this good i'm in i'm back i'm back guys i'm back uh uh, who was that guy? Who was the, 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 uh, oh, God. It was like a multi-hyphen name. Oh, uh, Nick Westbrook, get kind. Allen Robinson just got a quarterback. Allen Robinson got a quarterback, everybody. Woo! Quarterback! He got him. It's a master classic. Let's go. They're all divas. They open up the bag. What's in the bag? Baby formula. Yeah, not exactly the thing you want to be hoarding right now. Not in this economy. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god.